your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter, Dr. Diana Wiley. Um, I've got one of my very favorite guests, and she's also a favorite friend. Uh, Dr. Carol Queen is returning, and um, she's a staff sexologist at Good Vibrations, and this is a nationwide chain of toy stores. And since 1990, Dr. Carol has really enjoyed a unique platform she focuses on sex education and women's pleasure. She's also very informed about so many things, current things, which is what we're going to talk about today. A little dis, uh, little disclosure on my part. I, I'm not infecting anybody because I'm doing this over Zoom audio, <laughs> but I, I have a mild case of COVID. I returned Sunday from Los Angeles and, um. And before that, Napa for an outdoor wedding. But somewhere along the line, my husband picked it up and he tested positive right away. And I tested two days later positive. So, um, I but I'm lucky that it's a, a mild case. And I also feel very grateful that I am twice vaccinated and three times boosted because I think I would have a more serious case because I am a senior citizen for sure and anyway it's it's this is a great distraction i love this show i've been doing it for oh my goodness almost 12 years prn you're wonderful so dr carol queen let's get on with the show i had to do that little disclaimer in case i start to cough and i'll try to mute it um so you're so current on so many things so many sort of things like culture war issues, the book banning, and the anti-drag sentiments. And and we recently had, over the weekend, um, we had a mass shooting. Yeah. And um, it just, you know, there's this rise of anti-gay and anti-transgender legislation uh, across the United States, but still, it didn't help. We've got this fear of hate crimes. And uh, especially those in the L- LGBTQ community. And um, it's kind of troubling, isn't it? Well, it's extremely troubling, Diana. And it's, it's you know, we, we've, we've talked about so many fun things when we've gotten together. Not always, you know, not always things that are not deeply serious. But this this is deeply serious. And, and I... Uh, you know, I thought we could talk about it a little bit, both because it's so timely, but also yeah. just to, you know, some of your listeners, I hope will will feel will feel seen and heard by our talking about this stuff. It's so important politically and culturally, and and maybe some of your listeners aren't a hundred percent sure what the fuss is all about, too. So <clears throat> somewhere in that mix, I hope that uh, I hope that we come up with things that are useful for your listeners to. To think about and and uh, those of them who need to hear affirming words will will hear them. You know, I I call myself a cultural sexologist. I have for years and years, and and people say, "Oh, Carol's a cultural sexologist. What is that exactly?" And I say, "Well, I made that up, but it's a real thing because basically my my education before my doctorate in sexology is in." Uh, sociology and and mm-hmm. this is right th- this is right along those lines right this yeah. is this is helping us look at what what we're doing as a 
as a culture, as a society, and and as a political entity or entities in the United States. I don't know if we can call ourselves one entity anymore exactly. But I was really struck. I've I've been struck all year about all of this culture war stuff as it's been ramping up. Mm -hmm. I was especially struck about the midterms Mm. and the fact that, that the midterms were so much in, in so many ways, a um, a, a way for us to grapple with abortion rights mm-hmm. and the whole question of abortion as healthcare, access to abortion, how could it be restricted, who gets it, who who can't get it, all of those kinds of questions that are just, you know, they're they're life or death for some people, really, and and for others will affect their life course. Absolutely. So all of these things are big, big picture things. And my goodness, you know, in the in the midterms, I think that that the voters in the United States said this is this is a bridge too far. This is more restriction than we want to give the federal government uh, or our state governments on us at this moment in our in our political history. And um, so abortion was on the ballot in a number of states and and uh, pro-choice outcomes happened and i think every single one of those and yeah. and you know it's not like this is the end of the story of course it isn't the end of the story at all but but that that was really notable to me and it's interesting to think about whether these other issues that are being uh kicked up right now the the book bannings the the freaking out about drag queen story hour those things have something in common they both are library based right i'm yes. i'm interested to see whether the the voters as we move in that direction where these things wind up on ballots and so on um say no you know you're really going too far there too or whether this is so subcultural in the minds of so many voters that they think it doesn't have anything to do with them right i mean i yeah. i just i'm curious about how this is going to play out i've i'm i'm not sure i know the answer to that yet i'm watching very carefully but you 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 said it was notable that the pro choice outcomes uh were winning um it did win um, and so that's encouraging, isn't it? That, of course, so much can happen between now and uh, the election in two years. But you no, know, it's isn't that the truth? But yeah, yeah I mean, I th- it's it's certainly encouraging. And one of the things that I, it, it is most encouraging to me about it, um, you know, there there was a little playing of politics with this, where there was um, much more discussion of it among progressives and Democrats than there was among conservatives and Republicans. And it seemed as though many of the Republicans who'd really wanted to stake their their claim on an anti-abortion platform mm-hmm. figured out that it maybe wasn't the safest thing to, to spend all their time talking about, with a few exceptions. And uh, if, if they know that they're using this in that kind of a way, it seems to me that that's kind of a that's a that's kind of manipulative situation. I wonder if the voters felt that as well, you know, sort of smelled that particular scent in the air when they thought about these issues. And the other thing is that, you know, as I said, I said as I said at the top, we use this phrase abortion is healthcare, and a lot of of anti-choice people are very incensed about that idea. But look at the look at the 
situations that we got to learn about between Roe v. Wade being overturned and the midterm elections. We learned about kids who had gotten pregnant and who needed an abortion. And I don't mean 17-year-olds. I mean that 10-year-old. Yes. There were, there were, there were a, a small handful of that kind of case that came into the news. And in, in the first place, that's horrific. Mm-hmm. And in the second place, wouldn't you think that that would be a place for for anti-choice people to stand back a little bit and say, well, you know, this wasn't the kind of net that we were planning to cast. And 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 then the, the women whose um, pregnancies were uh, potentially going to put them at risk of death or or permanent disability, and and even those even those pregnancies that were wanted pregnancies. So I just want to remind people. I, I imagine that your your listeners have thought about these things pretty thoroughly and over the years with you, but I think that there's a real um, reminder that we have to make that um, social change of this kind is going to feel like social control to a, a lot of people. And and in the midterms, so far, that's been rejected. It's a, a real, um, it's a real plus it's a it's hopeful and uh i hope nobody lets their guard down because these are these are very interesting times in this country and i don't mean that in a in a lighthearted way interesting may you live in interesting times people used to say that's a curse (laughs) in some societies like well i don't know if it's a curse in this one yet but maybe it is so i would i would like everyone to to i would like to encourage everyone to stay tuned about all of that We need to stay tuned. We need to stay informed. I really like the way you put it. Social change will feel like social control. And um, and some of the uh, anti-abortion people and anti-anti perhaps got that message. Someone, I was, uh, you know, as you know, I talked to the the press a lot and uh, on behalf Mm -hmm. of Good Vibrations, and I was taught, I was a answering questions about the question of uh, family planning technologies and Mm -hmm. history. And um, the the, the young people who are stepping up to the media and, and, you know, our our next wave of fierce young feminists and all of the folks who are helping us think about gender and sexuality and in expanded ways are are fantastic to talk about, but they didn't always learn the backstory in school. So I was explaining the um, Homestock laws that caught uh, up the founder of Planned Parenthood back in the 19-teens and 20s. And uh, the Comstock laws not only went after porn, which they did, or any kind of erotic material, but also information about birth control, birth control technologies like diaphragms and things like that. That was that was only a hundred years ago. And I don't trust anymore that that the past days passed. You know, mm-hmm. so so I think that um it's it's not surprising to me that that a number of the other um interest groups, communities, identity uh, communities in our country now are looking at 
the the Dobbs decision and the Roe v. Wade overturn and saying, okay, well, what's next then? You know, the idea that we might have to um, go to Congress and get a not just a marriage equality protective act, which is what they're working on in the Senate this week, but also, but also interracial marriage protection, because some people think that might be on the chopping block one of these days. It's, it's an extraordinary time when these things can be discussed this openly in a, a country that just a few years ago, I think many of us thought was, was going its progressive arc toward justice, right? As, as uh, people have said. So I would like to remind people that in, in, you know, since my mother was born in, you know, in your mother's time, Diana, and our both, certainly our grandmother's time. Yes. There were legal restrictions on access to family (laughs) planning materials. And as I said to, my young journalist friend, it's not just family planning either. It's the right to prevent pregnancy. That's not the same thing, except when it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, a, it's a broader, it's a broader discussion than just, I would like to space out my kids, right? And and that's, of course, of course, people may want to do that, but it's, it's a broader discussion than just that. It, you're so wise and I'm so, and I'm really glad you're my guest today because you're so articulate about this. And since I'm not feeling 100%, I maybe is a little less interactive. But um, these are important topics. And somebody who exemplified a lot of a lot of the progressiveness is um, is Carol, Carol Lee, 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 Carol Lee, Carol Lee otherwise known as the Scarlet Harlot. Yes. And she just died. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about her legacy. I, I She um, defines sex work as a labor issue, not a crime, not a sin. That's right. Carol Lee was the person uh, who coined the term sex work. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than, in fact, I, I learned through the obits that that wonderful journalists were writing um, and and her friends and activists in the community, because Carol, I've known Carol for a long time, you know, disclosure, she was the person who helped Robert and me find our first Center for Sex and Culture space. We moved in with right? her. Yes, we were we were roommates with her for a while. And and uh-huh. and what an honor that was. And to, to see her in her element was was so great. And she just she just died a tiny bit less than a week ago. It's 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 a very fresh life loss for us, although we've known that she was ill for a while. And uh, Carol, I learned, as I, I started to say, I learned on in one of her obits that it was at a an anti-porn, anti-trafficking conference in the late 1970s that uh, where they were using the phrase sex use industry to talk about prostitution. And Carol had already become a prostitute. She was a longtime feminist. She was a progressive activist. But then she entered the sex work world, and she was the one who said, let's not talk about it that way. Let's talk about it about sex as sex work, because that is what those of us who are doing this 
see ourselves as doing for the most part you know this is this excludes the the people who do not have agency of course in in their their choice or lack of choice that's a different situation that is trafficking that is a a non-consensual situation but in you know in this day and age anti-trafficking discourse often just tries to to throw the baby out with the bathwater and and talk about all of this in one in one breath um you know i think this this um this sense of trying to make culture war issues simple and turn them into slogans. Um, we've we've talked about a couple of other aspects of this, and I think it it happens there too. And and Carol wasn't having it. She wasn't having it. She wanted to make sure that the agency and the work that these people were doing was acknowledged. And in doing that, at that particularly in the, on the panel she was on or whatever, she changed the world because most everyone now uses this phrase it's become the acceptable phrase to talk about um working i I like to define it as as um earning money or or something of value through um your sexual acts or sexual entertainment to include the dancers the porn performers and and the people who may not be prostitutes per se but who are doing something um along these lines and there's a sort of a bigger community than just just prostitutes and carol you know, when when we when we say talking about her legacy, that's certainly her legacy. There's no question about that. But I think of Carol as being one of the one of the couple of most important 20th century um, sex work and prostitution advocates in uh, in the United States, at least um, in the maybe in the Western world, uh, because. She and Margot St. James, who she worked closely with for so long, yes. were the people who who really talked about advocacy and support for sex workers, but also giving sex workers a true voice, um, sharing the the political issues, the culture issues that some of, of which we're talking about today with a greater um, with a greater culture and, and helping people think. I like to call, I like to talk about it. Instead of talking in a simpler way about these issues, we need to talk about them in a more complex way because they're they're big, complex issues. There's not just one way of thinking about or experiencing any of these sex and gender issues. So for me, that, that Carol was is, was such a hero and an inspiration around that because she, one of the first times I, I I met her in person, um, we were at a Take Back the Night rally, and Take Back the Night was a feminist um, activist uh, march after dark that would often go to places where you could get porn, places where the sex industry was, and it was a, a way to to talk about women feeling safe, but they did they didn't ever ask themselves do the women in those places feel safe they assumed that they didn't and of course some don't and some do and 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 it was again just too simplistic and i was like carol what are you doing here she's like i am filming this march because everything about us needs to be documented we need to and and i was like but you're being so nice to them i was she was like (laughs) we need to talk to each other 
we need to always be able to, to debate these issues. If we can't talk to them civilly, they might not sit still and listen to what we have to say. She didn't say it in those words. She she was much more she was she was much more charming than that. I'm really sort of breaking it down. But but that was that was what I learned from Carol. And it was it's it's been very important for me in the way that I think about these issues and trying to figure out what is it exactly that people are worried about? What is it that people believe? Because we can't do education or activism if we can't figure those kinds of things out. Right. So and the other thing that I think I will always I will always value Carol's example. She connected people all over the world. She sent me off one time to do a talk about sex work in Japan because she was having chemo treatments or something and she couldn't go. She was like, why don't you go and be on that panel instead of me? I was mm-hmm. like, you're sending me to Japan? And But she did that with everyone. She was connecting people up constantly. And, and to the degree that the sex work world is a global movement, and it certainly is, Carol and Margot St. James are two of the people that we could thank for that. And of course, the 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 top tier and everyday activists in every region of the world, because uh, when we talk about all of these sex and gender questions that are controversial in some corners of the population, you know, what what we always used to say in the gay community in the 70s is we are everywhere. But that's it's bigger than just the gay community. It's it's it's, it's the LGBTQIA community. It's sex workers. It's it's all kinds of diverse folks are everywhere. We're not always out. We don't always find places of safety and comfort to tell each other. Uh, sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. It's one of the reasons that this that this uh, mass shooting over the weekend is so heartrending. Is that as, as the, the press has said over and over and over in covering this, and I'm glad that they're saying this, mm-hmm. this was the one safe space for those communities in this relatively conservative corner of Colorado. Yeah. So I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's possible to under, under acknowledge those issues. We think, you know, the arc, the arc of justice, fine, but People are still scared to be themselves all over the place or don't know who they can be themselves with. So in that sense, you as a therapist, me as an activist, an educator, you know, our work isn't done until people can do those things. Exactly. I uh, read some quotes uh, offered by Carol Lee, and one was from a 2004 essay And she was saying, yes, I invented the term sex work. Not the activity, of course. The term. The profession and all that. (laughs) There's what in all that? I said it's the oldest profession and all that. Oh, exactly. And there are are some uh, approximately a million people in this country alone who are stigmatized and criminalized by... Uh, working to and even just in many cases to support their families but she but her other the rest of her quote here is that um the invention was motivated so her invention of creating the words uh sex work was motivated by my desire to reconcile my feminist goals with the reality of my life and the lives of women i know knew 
I wanted to create an atmosphere of tolerance within and outside the women's movement for women working in the sex industry, end quote. She was very articulate and very passionate about this. And obviously, even when she was so ill with her cancer, I didn't know that story. So she sent you to Japan. Well, you were a very good representative, I'm sure. Was that your first time in Japan, by the way? It was, and it was an extraordinary trip. It wasn't it wasn't too long. It was under a week, but I I just drank it in and and the sex work community there um it was was seeing some some legal changes some some something like some of the things that we're talking about here i think it had to do with how they were trying to define trafficking and things like that and um because there's been there's been global money to fight trafficking that in many cases has gone to fight what we would all agree to be non-consensual you know rights um issue level trafficking and plenty of people are just taking the money and using it to fight prostitution and and other sex industry context but anyway so there's that was what was uh, the the sort of the baseline set of issues about this this trip to Japan they were trying to to drum up some information and connections around this and and it was so it was sex work organizers and academics and and then they invited the press and of course that's that's happened in the United States and all over the world so many times because that's one of the ways you get these ideas out that are a little more complicated than just soundbite ideas and it was it was great to be hosted by sex workers because we could get we could learn so much more than than if we hadn't you know if if i just had a you know a name of a hotel i was supposed to check into and then i showed up at the gig that that still would have been great but it it was much much more interesting this way and um so i'll i'll never forget that and and as and as i said there are this this kind of thing um happened all the time around carol now if people look carol up and they look they'll find some videos online and they'll find you know pictures of her in a in a big sort of drag queen looking dress she was friends with gilbert baker who is the person who gave us the rainbow flag the first rainbow flag Uh for the gay community yes gilbert gilbert invented that and made the made the prototype one and he made a lot of carol's costumes and carol was a performer as well so she would go to um demonstrations dressed in this um sort of american flag uh inspired dress and big red hair and a head a headdress and big makeup and kind of a you know kind of a lady drag queen like i said and or or faux queen as some people call them and she would um change the words to songs uh, and sing sex work supportive songs to the tune of, I uh, remember, um, Bad Girls, uh, yeah. which was about sex work. Uh, she changed the words of Bad Girls and then sang it to a karaoke track. Uh-huh. Changed the word to Bad Laws. Bad, lo- okay. bad Laws. Had- nothing but Bad Laws. And, uh, and she would say keep your laws off our bodies my favorite was u.s 
out of my underwear. That was my uh, favorite uh, one. Uh. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> you so she was such a funny underwear. person. <laughs> such a funny person too. Yeah. And you know, and and uh, charm will take you a long way, won't it, Diana? I mean the the way that yeah. one of the ways that that we that we can fight back is by you know, just gathering all of our love and our perspective up and and trying to make sure that people see that when we talk about the things that are important to us, because it, it is about that. You know, the 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 man in um, at the at the Colorado Springs shooting who disarmed the shooter was there with his family. His daughter was a regular at the bar and, and he, and he was like, this is these, this is a community that I value. This is my family. I had to step up and you could, you can just feel the love um, coming off him when he, when, when you see him saying, you know, I'm not a hero. I just had to do this. He, he went into combat mode because he did have, I think it's the paper said three tours in Iraq. So and and he plenty was of. Yes, and plenty of uh, plenty of of medals, and and you know, I I, I think thinking back, you know, um, we haven't talked about this for a long time, or maybe ever on a show, Diana. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was the co-founder of one of the very first gay youth groups in the country in the nineteen seventies, and it, it was a long time ago now. And there had been many gay youth groups since then, and all of us who were youth then are now sort of retirement age. But but one of the things that that we had to fight then and and it, it seems very clear that people have to fight now is these ideas um about who we are and how we must be as people based on sexual orientation or gender identity or you know whether we do drag or this or that and and one of the biases that comes along with that is you know this is this is a you know this is this is a group of people who are not manly uh or feminine in the case of the women and people who people who are um are you know weak and wussy and i just you know i i can't love anything about a story that includes this much horrific um you know damage and loss of life but when the the veteran said to the drag queen, you know, help me, help me take this guy down, hit him with your shoe. Yeah. I didn't read that part of the story. That's people that adds a lot more color to the it story. It really yeah. does, doesn't it? And it yeah. and it it I mean, honestly, to me, I don't know if it it would be true for people who have never walked into a gay bar before or a, you know, an LGBTQ plus community space of any kind. But I've spent my years in those places and remember uh, the one that I came out with, with fond love and memories. And and literally, it was the place in my college town that people felt like they could go to let their hair down and make their friends and find their connections and their lovers. And, and I'm sure that it was just like that in 2022, at the Q Club in Colorado Springs, and and this part of the story with the there was a drag show, and I'm probably one of the drag queens from the drag show was the one that uh, that this hero um, included was oh 
Thank you. I just got a note from my colleague, person with shoe. She's trans woman, not a drag queen. That info has just been updated. Ah, so I interesting. Can. Okay. Andy, thank you. I'm so glad uh, to be over to be in the corner at work where I can get post-its dropped over the edge of the wall and I can update oh, yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. But you know what? What, what does that what tell was, you? What does that tell you about? Well, what this tells me is that this was a place where the whole community and its diversity was coming together. Yeah. That there, we know that we know that that the the next the very next day. Um, all over the country, but certainly in this community, uh, it was Trans Day of Remembrance, where we yes. remember the people who we have lost, generally to bias crimes, and that we we're talking about a place where the whole community gathered in order to do what communities do: you know, connect be among friends and and new friends and take seriously the situation in which we live and and memorialize um make space for each other and that's what was happening in this bar so i i i've never seen the inside of this bar but i can picture this in my mind because i've been in the inside of so many others and i just you know, I want to I want to remind your listeners whether they identify one way or the other, whether they maybe maybe some of them have, don't know anyone in their life who identifies in some other way than heterosexual and and a cisgender person. But but again, you know, we're everywhere, and the places that we try to create and and make so that safety can be part of our experience and letting our hair down can be part of our experience are almost everywhere. And that's one of the reasons it's so troubling that this has turned into culture war level stuff. It's so troubling because it's, you know, just like the, just like the anti-abortion folks who wanted to make an example of that little girl Oh, that's say it would have been it would have been better if she had had the child. No, it wouldn't. Not not for that. Not for that child. Ten year old child. Ten year old child. Unbelievable. But but just like that, the idea that folks who don't know trans people, who don't know queers of any stripe that they know of, who's you know people in their extended family maybe haven't come out to them we, we just don't you know we we never know unless we know it it is extraordinary to me that these lies are being told and they're being told for political reasons it's, yes, it's i mean yes. there plenty of plenty of people are plenty of people are you know homophobic transphobic etc cetera, etc cetera, but but this is political to them it is political to them and um, I wanted to let the audience know that uh, you have agreed to be back on this program for a part two, December the 13th. And I'd like, I'm going to put this out, I don't want to do it today necessarily, but I'd like to talk a little more about Japan and sexuality because I, and I'll send you my paper from that uh, between now and the 13th, um, because I did a study on Japanese hosts. Oh, great. Like, 
guy geishas and i worked with a guy named dr ishikawa he was uh head of the sex education uh for japan and this is 1991 so uh and japan was very um rigid about these things but mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to save I'm going to save that discussion uh, for cuz the Japanese sexuality and I made four trips to Japan to get this done. <laughs> and um and talked gave the hosts a questionnaire pulling for very specific attitudes about sexuality and all of that. But now I've teased the audience, but that's all right. We'll we'll come back to this because the Japanese probably need sex workers because they have a very low they they don't have very much sex um even between their married people they don't have much sex and um so we'll we'll circle back to that well i i i'm looking forward to seeing your paper and 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 you know any of the any of these these ways that we can look at issues that we think we understand from our own cultural lens yeah and and then shift it to a different country to a different sociocultural context it's pretty informative to do that that's one of the things that that i like the most about this cultural focus that i try to to you know that's cloak i try to wear at least part of the time it's not always what people are looking for when they you know ask a question about what's the best sex toy or this or that but 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 big picture things to me they they all trickle down to the individual assumptions and decisions and you know ways we think about having sex and ways we want to have sex and all that stuff it's just all it's bigger than it's bigger than us isn't it and and so i'm looking forward to hearing what uh what you learned and and uh chatting about all of that yes so you mentioned sex toys and that's a pretty good segue because uh we talked or we emailed about this but the holidays are coming and your question is are you going to gift sex toys and you made it very clear to to me in the email this is not just a sex toy dis- a toy discussion it's a boundaries and intimacy discussion so right. let's let's talk about that i think that's fascinating and i bet a lot of people don't think about that when they buy a sex toy as a gift you know and their partner <laughs> right and you know and i i don't know if i would have thought very much about this either except working on the floor at good vibrations yeah starting you know the very first year that i i stepped into that job when joni blank was still alive and running the the show and we did we weren't even a co-op yet much less the you know the the company that we've become today around the holidays people came up and started asking what was the best toy to to give as gift and uh, and i would be you know i was newly at the institute for advanced study of human sexuality i was i'm sure i went into much more detail with my questions for these people than they had time for for heaven's sake but yeah yeah but i'd be like well who is this for is this for your partner is this for give me a little bit of an idea what do you what do you know about what they like um have they used a sex toy before do you know and i 
I would hear a lot of things uh, about people and their partners, and some people knew their partners and their tastes well, and some people just thought, no, they'd never discuss this at all with their partner, but this this, this was the year that they were going to give them a vibrator or a dildo or something like that. And, you know, there's always probably a backstory to that decision, but who knows what what these various folks were, were thinking. But what really threw me was... Yes when people were going to give a sex-related object as a gift at work. Oh, at work. At, and so here's what I want to say. I yeah. <laughs> I work in a sex toy company. You know, it's not, right. that's not all we are, of course, but that certainly is what we are. And, uh, and I don't think I've actually never seen any of us give each other sex toys. There's something about the the presumption of intimacy in giving someone a toy that I really want folks to to give a little thought to. It's it's not just that you want to be the person to introduce someone that you know to the wonders of toys. That's great. But but what message is it sending to that person? Is it conveying sexual interest? Is this like the first attempt to convey sexual interest to somebody? This this uh, you know the holidays. We have culture wars about the holidays too. This is a lot of work for a holiday to do, <laughs> and it's True. it's not very it's not very direct in its communication, right? I've I've heard. I've seen people march back in on, you know, December 27th saying, take this back. I don't want this. Oh, did you get it as a gift? Yes. I don't want it. And the, the, the poor dear people who bought the toy for their, whoever it was as a gift, I assume they thought they were making a wonderful decision to help the person change their life and enjoy themselves better. But it wasn't received the way they thought it would be received. Exactly. So I just want I want people to I want people to think this through a little before they uh, before they go out shopping. I'm not saying don't keep these off your gift list because for many of us within our intimate circles, sex toys or or other kinds of you know or an erotic book or a how to book or whatever might be a terrific gift. But think about. That's what I want to encourage people to do. I'm working on a working on a blog post this very week about this very thing. So Oh good. Good. If you think of it, please send it to me. I will. I will yeah, be happy I'd, to do I'd, that. I'd like to see it. Um yeah, uh you make some very good points. And um you know, I I in the last year or so, my favorite <laughs> sex toy is um the the Lilo Cruiser. Um the clit sucker and it's just quite amazing how it it really mimics cunnilingus uh that is a a fine invention yeah the (laughs) The technology is amazing and you know i think we want to remind people that that there will be some users of, of of the suction toys who are like oh this is just too much you know, people are oh, yes, people are, yes. are are sensitive on a on a pretty varying scale, and uh, and you know, I'm in my sixties now, so I would have a different experience today than I would have had thirty years ago or twenty years ago mm-hmm. with such a toy, and um, and you know, so that's another level of of intimacy and and 
a kind of intimacy that we would only have with some people in our world, right? That, that we could think, yeah, this is probably a good choice for them as opposed to, oh, they couldn't possibly use it. It's just too much. And I'm not trying to suggest that it's too much for most people because most people give these things very high marks. But yeah. there are yeah. some people who are like, it just, I, ju- I just can't. It's just too intense. And you know, we've talked about this many times, I think, Diana, the idea that that we get such bad sex education in our culture that it's hard for people to know how different people are sexually, not just in terms of what they're interested in or sexual orientation or those kinds of things. That's that's a little more understood and known, I think, to some degree at least. But that one person loves a particular kind of touch and another person just doesn't love it. And they could be a, a seemingly alike people, but we can't we can't stop there. We have to wonder, you know, what are the differences between people as well as the similarities? You know, like my my last girlfriend loved this. It's like, well, oh yeah, I'm yeah. not your last girlfriend. Exactly. <laughs> and and I just I always want to encourage people to. You know, like I said earlier about a completely different topic, but it works here too. Don't try to simplify it. Simplifying it isn't isn't gonna gonna get you the information that that really helps you have a better sex life, have a you know have better understanding with of a person that you've got a sexual connection with. It, it's simplifying it only works when you've you know considered the wide range of possibility. Um, of interest, of of you know, nerve sensitivity, of all of those things. All of that stuff is part of what makes up good sex for people. You make some very good points. Um, can you disclose what are some of your best sellers at Good Vibrations? Uh, I mean, is that would that be something you want to talk about? Oh, I can. Yeah, I can say a couple of things, and um, yeah. And I can be prepared with with better numbers next time if you want to if you want to revisit this sure. a little bit and you we know will. think about mm-hmm. think about the last you know it's not quite the last minute <laughs> for our gift giving in the in the middle of December, yeah. Yeah. but um, you know s- some people might be kind of surprised to hear this given that uh, given that it's twenty twenty two and um, so on, but the the magic wand is still yeah. all the way up there. At the, years, at the right? top, yes, and and you know even in the antique vibrator museum, we've got a couple of magic wands from the the you know the dawn of time, nineteen sixty seven or whenever it was. Uh huh. Yeah. And they look a little different than the ones today, um, but not that much different. They're you know they're they're big wands, and and still today, people who who don't know. Um, you know, the whole realm of the sex toy world will look at those wands and their eyes will get big and they think, what am I supposed to do with that? Oh, and and the answer is no, no, no. <laughs> this is an external vibrator. There are people today who still don't know the difference between internal and external stimulation. And it, of course, that's not too surprising because we still tend to think about intercourse as the norm. Penetrative sex is the norm, the definition of sex, but that's not... That's not all that it is. And sexual pleasure, of course, is able to be 
had in many parts of the body, but the clearest is certainly one of them. And and so the magic wands, and now there's a now there's a rechargeable one. There's a mini that is a little easier to travel with, and yeah, um, they just keep innovating. But the basic is still this this powerful wand used for external stimulation, and lots and lots of people just love it. And the the vibrator you mentioned and it's and it's ilk all the all the different um you know the womanizer the, the sort, yeah. of, sort of strangely named womanizer it's it's named the yeah. womanizer because the people who came up with it were german and they thought yes. well, that's a good word and we were like well it, it has some different <laughs> it has some different connotations here in the u.s but you know, we we get your we get your drift um <laughs> so that uh and, and you know never mind that someone might really enjoy that toy and not identify as a woman but you know that's that we'll we'll mix that up with all of the other things we have to we have to get more specific about i suppose and those are hugely popular the one that has um has come up from behind some of the others um i think some people talked about this on tiktok for heaven's sake is the rose looks like a little silicone little silicone rose bloom in your hand but at the end you know where all the petals would would be coming together in an actual rose there's the the part that goes over the clitoris and that that does the the air flow and suction stimulation so that thing is and and it's i guess it's a romantic version too isn't it it's, oh yeah it's a it's a very it's a very pretty little toy and um you know there are still people who who don't know that most sex toys in this day and age don't look don't look like dongs or what have you yeah, yeah so right. it's nice to be able to introduce a sort of a range of of possibilities to people when they think about um, what they might want to try themselves or what they might want to give to a, an intimate friend or partner or, or what have you. And the other thing that I think that, that is worth thinking about in this whole conversation is, you know, how much do you and the person in question talk about sex and, and just, just kick it around? How much, how much comfort is there in the, the communication that you have because you learn a lot you get you know when people are hinting for a particular kind of handbag or shoes or whatever for their holiday their birthday or holiday or whatever you know if you listen to the hints you get a sense about what their favorite brands might be or styles or colors or whatever if you talk about sex a lot with your people you get those kinds of hints for that too you just have to listen for them and if you don't talk about sex with your people then you're really you're really having to try to put it all together um from from scraps or asking the staffer at the sex toy store to tell you what to buy or whatever it is that's a lot of responsibility for us we don't know your partner as well as you do <laughs> we've never seen your partner in our exactly lives. exactly do you ever do you ever say that Yes, in a gentle yes. way, but yeah. Oh heavens, yes, yes. I mean, I I certainly used to say it. I was like, well, having never met the person who might who might get this uh, get this toy, you you hopefully you have a little more uh, in mind about what they might enjoy that I do. But let's talk about the you know then then of course somebody in my position would say, let's talk about the functions of this, and see if you think that you know think about a little bit about you know if if you're buying an insertive toy for someone that you're sure would be happy to get one do you have a sense about 
do they like the kinds of insertion that say you and that person are having? Do, do they want something bigger? Do they want something smaller? These these are all questions that that some people just haven't considered. And if you're going to do a beautiful fine tuned job of choosing a pleasure product for somebody else, it's a good idea to consider them. You know the 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 yes, three indeed. lists, the three list strategy that so many you know that came from the BDSM world, but that has been used in so many ways now. The the yes no maybe list. If people have, I have in my book. Which you absolutely, and I and I'm sure that so many of your listeners are familiar with your book already. But if they're not, let me just tell you, you all should get Diana's book, and not only for this list, it's it's just a terrific book. Um, and and if you look at the title and you think, well, Corona's behind us, just just say it's great for reconnecting with anybody. That thank you. Want and, to reconnect and, with because that's really part of what that book is, isn't it, Diana? Yes, it is. And uh, yeah, the the title is "Love in the Time of Corona," and then the subtitle is "A Sex Therapist Sex Therapist Advice for Couples in Quarantine." Well, obviously that's long past. Um, but as Dr. Mark Schoen said in his blurb on the back cover, it's a year's worth of sex therapy in one volume. Exactly. So it, it really helps people talk about. Uh, talk about sex, you know, and and there's on on toward the end of the book, there there's a list of reasons for having sex. Yes, and one through ten, like for some couples that are not wanting um, children, then they would put procreation as number ten, mm-hmm. uh, and it, but it gets conversations going because some people haven't really thought about about their reasons uh, for having sex. Um, so the reasons are in alphabetical order, accomplishment, affection, bargaining exchange, communication, concern for partner, duty obligation, procreation, recreation, play, spiritual bond, and tension release. And in my 40 years of doing sex therapy, uh, those are some of the more common reasons for having sex, but a lot of couples haven't talked about it. Yeah. Uh, and and as far as the communication, you were talking about how important it is for two couples. If you don't know what your partner wants and needs and desires, it really is kind of like going on a treasure hunt without any clues. We've got we've to put it out there. Carol, I love the way you said that. That's, that's just oh. That's that's golden. I'll well, I love the way you clues. say so many things, and I'm so <laughs> pleased. I'm so pleased that you um, will come back um, uh, on the 13th in three weeks. It's always it's always such a pleasure, and uh, and thank you for for all that you do in in making a space for us to talk about all these interesting things. I mean, twelve years of twelve years of shows. I just can't even. My 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 brain is fairly subtle, su- supple, but it cannot even imagine how many great, great, great conversations ha- you have had with so many different people in this amount of time. So, um, so thank you for having me on. I always oh, you're so, so welcome, Carol. You are a dear friend and a wonderful, wonderful sexologist. And and uh, what did you say? You're a cultural, a cultural sexologist, a, cro- a cultural sexologist, yes. and you are, and you're. Anyway, we, we do need to stop, um, but I'll be able to 
give you more accolades on the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank I you hope that you feel said. so much better soon. I think that, yeah. uh, I think that, uh, you're, you've been very strong, uh, working through your COVID today. So, oh, thank um, you. so feel, feel so much better. And, um, yeah. I'll look forward to, to, uh, our next chat. Yes. And people, I'm going to a little bit later, probably have a nap first, <laughs> make a write up the show notes and they'll be posted by tomorrow, I think. So people, yeah. All right, Carol, another really in-depth, satisfying, informative discussion. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure, Diana. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, everybody. E se ti perderei nel labirinto di un amaro autore. <totipos>